0: Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Joe. It's always a pleasure t- chatting with you, whether doing relationship radio or other content. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me. Thank you. This is your show. Normally it's yeah. normally it's you and Kimberly <laughs> doing these things. So I I know I say thank yeah, you but- for joining, but this is this used to be the Dr. Joe show.
1: At one point, that's what we called it back then, the Dr. Show Joe show. But now, Kimberly, it's the Dr. Kimberly show on everything now. So thanks for inviting me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, for Master Kimberly, because she hasn't finished her PhD as the time of recording uh, she, this. She's not far away. No, she is not far away. So uh, just to recap, we are going to be answering questions from the listeners of this show. And if you're ready, I will intro the first question.
1: Sure. Absolutely.
0: Okay. The first question, my husband had an emotional affair with a coworker back in, back in the 07, 09 range. He says that they didn't have sex, but he kept her as a friend on social media in 29 until 2019. And let me know that this, let me know about this in 2020. How long can someone be in limerence? We, we've had marriage troubles for about 13 years.
1: Okay. When you say, how long can a person be in limerence? You understand that with each individual that will vary, but statistically speaking, it's going to last somewhere between three months and 48 months. Most of them, based on my experience, end by the 24th month or by the second year, Uh, only five or six times in all the decades that I've been doing this, have I seen it go past 36 months, Less, less than a half dozen times that I've seen it go past 36 months. And so it's pretty rare. And if you think, well, can it ever go past 48 months? When you ask if anything is possible, the answer is, well, anything's possible, but that's extremely unlikely. Now, the fact that it didn't turn sexual, if he's telling you the truth, and let's assume he is, Okay. Unless you have some reason to believe he's lying to you. If it didn't turn sexual, that's good. It keeps her from getting to a certain level. If it doesn't get actually into the physical interaction between the two people. So I'm assuming the question that you're asking is, did I hear it right? Phil, it was from about 2007 when he first started.
0: Yes. So we're, we're talking what, what, what that 15 years ago.
1: Yeah. So 2007 to 2019, when she found out that he's still, or 2020, that as of 2019. So that was at least 12 years. Would I think that that was Limerick's going on? No, no, I would be shocked. As a matter of fact, it would be so unusual. We might want to study it as that being that rare a case. So no, I don't think it was still Limerick's. Did he enjoy her friendship? Apparently. And was it an unwise thing to do? Yes, I agree. Was it hurtful to you? I'm sure it was. But was it still Limerick in 2019? Now, I'm not a betting man, but if I were a betting man, I'd bet the farm that it was not.
0: That's very interesting. That That's a good reminder about the different stages of limerence and understanding what that is. Next question, as we keep ourselves rolling along, this question is, how do I start trusting my husband again after an emotional affair and stop secretly checking his phone, etc.? He told me he was starting to have feelings for someone at work. He ended it. However, I discovered more texts and I'm still filled with anxiety.
1: Yeah, Phil, you and I just recently did a a four night series about trust that you and your crew are turning into a toolkit that I would strongly recommend to this person. Get the toolkit, but understand when you trust, Uh, you see, we we talk about trust, mistrust, and distrust. Trust is predictive. Trust says, I believe that the decisions that you make and the actions that you take will be for the benefit of our relationship or the benefit of me. Distrust is no, I now have evidence that when you make your decisions or do your actions, it's maybe in your mind benefiting you, but it's certainly not for the benefit of the relationship and not for the benefit of me. Mistrust says, I don't have enough evidence to know either way. Now what you're indicating is at this point that you distrust and you want to check the phone, those kinds of things. That actually makes sense. But sneaking to do it actually is going to work against you. In that series, and we hope that you get it as soon as it comes out, it talks about calculative trust. Calculative trust is basically a system for rebuilding trust. And so it might be, you know, I need to be able to see inside your phone. I I want you to make that available to me. And rather than you sneaking behind his back and doing it, which can really backfire in bad ways, it'll be open and honest when he does that. If he says that means you don't trust me, your response is that's correct. I don't trust you. You violated my trust and I don't trust you right now. But I'm willing to rebuild that trust so we can get back to trust. But to go through that we have to calculate some things that need to occur. That's why we call it calculative trust, things that need to happen so I can trust you again. So without going into what we did in four nights, two hours each night, <laughs> let me recommend that you get that toolkit and that you do build a process with him, even if he resisted a little bit to begin with saying, no, I want to trust you again, but this is the process to how we get there.
0: I think there's another piece to this, Dr. Joe, of, what we teach in our push behavior. So this, this does kind of fall under the category. This does fall under the category of hovering. So what are some good recommendations for someone to stop that push behavior of hovering?
1: Well, the best is if you can get the other person to agree to be transparent and open so that you don't have to, if, if the individual doesn't do that, then you're based with a decision. Am I going to trust him or her, even though they will not make themselves completely transparent to me? But I think the worst thing you can do for them and you is to do the sneaky stuff, because our experience is whenever you get caught and ultimately almost everybody does that when you get caught, rather than being about their spouse's behavior, it's going to be about how dare you violate my privacy. So, again, best thing, ask get the transparency. Second thing, if he or she refuses that, you've got to decide, am I going to take the risk to trust without any way to check things? Or am I going to decide that I can't do that? And if you can't do that, then rather than sneaking, just let him or her know, no, this, this isn't going to work this way. I have to have reassurance and I don't want to be the person that's going to be prying and sneaking around. So we have to work out something if we are to continue.
0: Next question, a little context before I read it. Uh, this question comes in from somebody in their fifties and they the topic is their goals have changed. So the question starts with the husband wants to move, move ahead in life and relationship, even alone while I am struggling with my needs and wants. I need dignity and financial security, which I'm not getting in marriage or in my work, which is not enough. How do I bring Okay, here's the real question. How do we bring love back into the marriage? I think love is actually going
1: to be a second or third step in the process. Now, I must understand. I know that you want to love and you want to love right now. But but in the process that you're talking about, we have a toolkit that, uh, if you have access to it, please get it, called A Definitive Guide to Boundaries. If, if you don't, you can find it, okay, The Definitive Guide to Boundaries. And uh, I do several videos there, including some PDFs we give you. And and if you do that, please fill out those PDFs because they'll get you to think Uh, Just listening to me won't be enough. You really need to think through the process. And and it has in it two things. One is what we call stops, like this cannot continue. And if it continues, this is a negative consequence that's going to occur. And the other is called a core. This is a continuing, a relationship essential. I have to have that if this relationship is to continue. Now, at this point, when you're saying, I just want him to love me again, I get it. But based on what you just said, where that you're not being treated with dignity, where that there are some financial difficulties because he's not taking care of you, where that he seems to be so focused on his home future that he's not even considering yours. I think the first thing you have to stop with or start with, I should say, are the stops and cores, the the boundaries as people refer to them. Now, is he going to react negatively? Probably. Does that mean you shouldn't do it? We talk about not pushing Take, remove as many pushes as you can, but there's some pushes that you have to do and to take care of yourself physically, financially, those kinds of things. Those are essential pushes. They need to occur. And if he reacts negatively to a push like that, at least you can still sleep at night because you know, even though he got mad about that, I did what was the best thing to do. It was the right thing to do because I can't be treated like I'm a doormat. I can't be treated as if I don't exist. And so, yes, expect him to react negatively. But if you keep being strong, positive, warm, all those kinds of things we teach you to be ultimately can work to your advantage, even if in the short term, it's going to be very negative. Now, down the line after that, you can work on love, but you're not going to feel loved as long as you feel disrespected. I mean, I could cite all the research on that, but as long as you feel disrespected, you're not going to feel love as long as you feel he doesn't have to respect you. He's not going to feel love good toward you either. So start here with the, the boundaries, if you will. Do that well, and then hopefully love comes later. One last thing I'll say about that. You have to enforce the consequences. If you set the boundaries and he doesn't do what he should do, you if, if you do not enforce the consequences, it's an exercise in futility. And after that, very little that you say is going to be paid attention to. I'm sorry it's happening to you, but being firm and strong right now in a loving way. But firm and strong is the thing you have to do.
0: Hmm. Do you think that with this question, because this individual is in their 50s, that we also have a change in belief and values from both individuals? Uh, This individual uh, wants to put more value into their work and how they feel. And it sounds like maybe the husband wants to move on and maybe it it goes back to the sowing oats story we talk about of uh, without more details. I can't speak into this, but. Um, that also might be one piece of this as well.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Sometimes people refer to it as a midlife crisis, even though we know it can happen not just once and not just in midlife. It can be at 25, 35, 45, 55 again and again. And when you say uh, a changing of beliefs and values, that's possible. Absolutely possible. But it may be more of a case of mourning. Like this is what I thought I would have by now. And this is where I thought I would be by now. And now that that has not occurred and I don't think it's going to occur by golly, I've got to pull myself together and charge forward. And it's going to be me against the world. And and I'm not even thinking about my spouse or maybe even not even my children anymore. I mean, I still care about them. I'm trying to hurt them. But right now it's me trying to find meaning for myself. Now, in a way, Phil, that is a change of values, but it really has more to do with mourning and grief. And so is that possible? Absolutely.
0: Hmm. Thank you. That was more of a clarifying question for me to make sure I was understanding as well. Okay. That.
1: Well, well, I'm happy to give you my opinion. You know, I have opinion on things I haven't even heard
0: of. <laughs> I was at a, what's funny about that. I was at an event this past week with some friends and somebody from the stage is like, listen, I'm not the smartest person in this room. I may put on this event, but if you ask me my opinion, I'm going to tell you first, if I have direct interactions with that situation or issue. So no different than ours, but if I have none of them, I'm still going to give you opinion because I, that's just who I am. I have an opinion about anything I'm asked.
1: <laughs> Plus, if, if you think about it, Phil, and this is true of you, you're a very bright young man that because of the experiences that we, that we actually go through and the experiences we see other people go through that we can vividly connect to emotionally. Often our wisdom is broader than we think it is, because even if I haven't heard of that or well, the same principles actually apply over there and therefore it's not a wild guess. It's actually pretty wise because you've learned the principles about life and how people operate.
0: Well, I appreciate the compliment that was not necessary, but I do appreciate it.
1: You're very welcome. I wouldn't give it if I
0: didn't mean it. Well, that's that's very nice of you. I just want to say thank you for joining me, answering these few questions. We're going to do a couple more of these episodes just like this. So if you want to hear more answers like this from Dr. Joe, please visit us and join us for the next episode of Relationship Radio.